Welcome back, everybody. We have a uh, special episode in in line for you. Uh, we have a very, very special guest, a guy that I used to work with when I, I was up at Cincinnati. He is currently the Associate Athletic Director for Athletics Communication, uh, working primarily with football, but he is over his entire department, the uh, Sports Information Director, all-around badass, Ryan Coslin. Hell of an intro. Thank you, Patrick. I appreciate that. Yeah, glad to have you here with us. Good yeah, to be here. That's not too bad there. Let's let's get to know you a little bit first. Just kind of how did you get your start in this profession? Uh, when did you start? What what got you started? So I got started, um, like a lot of other people, as a student at Eastern Michigan University in the, um, the fall of, what was it, 2001, I think. I was, you know, one of those things where I was trying to find myself and on my second or third major, and some would argue I'm still looking, but I ended up kind of dashing into PR as a major and... Uh, ended up in a special topics class, which was sports and PR, which was ended up being taught by someone who ended up being a great mentor to me, John Martin, who uh, now works at Colorado State. And just uh, part of the class was, uh, you know, working in the sports information office. So we had to do, you know, X number of hours as a as an assignment. So I went in and worked a women's basketball tournament. And, you know, next thing I know, they plot me down in front of, of a computer and say, all right, you're inputting stats. And I... <laughs> Didn't have a clue what that meant. And, you know, four or five games later that weekend, I was absolutely hooked. So I ended up kind of volunteering my time outside of class. Ended up as a student assistant last couple years in school. And from there, kind of knew I wanted to make it my field. Um, Had some opportunities to do a little bit of work with a WNBA pre-draft camp. um, So I saw a little bit of professional side. And then uh, I found myself in Orlando, Florida for a summer. And ended up working at uh, UCF as a volunteer. This is when they were transitioning to the MAC. Um, wow. Showed you how long ago that was. Oh, I know. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and then uh, I also spent some time that summer working for the Orlando Miracle on game night, which is a WNBA team. So you know, just more kind of seeing how things worked. Then after graduation, um, I mean, I was looking for a job like anybody else, and ended up interning at the University of Akron for a couple of years, came across another um, people who were great influences in my life in uh, Sean Nestor, who's now at Santa Clara, and then Mike Waddell, who is now the president and alternate governor for the Austin, or not the Austin, the Allen minor league hockey team outside of Dallas. Good Lord. So wow. yeah, it's, it was crazy. Um, from there, it was, uh, you know, there wasn't a full-time job and you know, it was one of those things where you're, again, looking around for something. And I think I applied for 35, 36 jobs that summer. Sounds and this is, right. uh, yeah, the summer of 03. Ended up having a couple interviews, nothing really worked out, and ended up going to the University of Houston as an assistant SID and publications coordinator. I had picked up some graphic design skills from a graphic communication minor in college and did a little bit of design work when I was at Akron and had a friend who I was a student with at Eastern Michigan, um, and she had just left. Houston to go to Kansas and drop my name to my boss there, Chris Burkhalter. And then uh, things happened to work out and was there from 05 to 08, uh, handling women's basketball and soccer, and then doing a ton of design work in terms of like billboards, schedule cards, posters. This is, this is probably before we printed everything, um, but we still, we still did a heck of a lot of stuff. A lot of fun. Learned a lot about how much fun red can be to work with in print. Because if you screw it up, it looks pink. Um, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't always make the people happy. Like, why is it pink? Huh. 
Yeah, you're right. It is. Um, from there, I, you know, was looking for the next step, and uh, Mike Waddell had moved on to the University of Cincinnati, oh, and yeah, go Bearcats. And I remember I was on a road trip with women's basketball. We were in San Luis Obispo, California. And if you've never been there, I'd highly recommend it. Cal Poly. Uh, yeah, Cal Poly for a women's basketball trip. And, uh, you know, he called me and said, hey, we're, you know, might be making a change here in the near future. Would you be interested in coming up here to, to do football? And I said, absolutely. Keep me in mind. So, of course, it's one of those things where you forget about it and lose track of it. And, you know, six months go by and then you get an angry phone call asking, why haven't you applied for the job? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, you never told me it was open. You never sent me the thing. He's like, well, it closes in 20 minutes. Can you get your stuff up? <laughs> yeah, right on top of that, Rose. Okay. Uh, wow. So ended up, you know, going through that process. And it was, it was weird. It was probably the weirdest interview process I've been through because I never set foot on campus. You know, I, all my stuff was over the phone. I had a few interviews with uh, Mike Waddell and Mike Harris, who ended up being my boss for a couple of years. Um, and then, you know, I had a phone call with Brian Kelly one day and I guess I passed cause August 1st, <laughs> 2008, I got a phone call asking if I wanted to come take the job. And I remember it clearly like our, you know, it was conference USA media day in Dallas and I was in Houston with, you know, the rest of the work staff and we had actually decided to play hooky that day. And we were going to see <laughs> one of the Batman movies that came out and we were with the staff of rice you know, our in-town rival three miles away. So we're out at lunch and I get a phone call offering me the job, um, which was kind of fun. And, and they, they said, there's one, there's one thing. I was like, yeah, what's that? You got to be here in a week. Ooh. Okay. All right. So I moved across the country in seven days, which I do not recommend. That's, mm -hmm. that's a one. That's probably the quickest turnaround I've heard. I mean, that's, that's yeah, insane. there's some quick that's ones. A, that's, that's crazy. That was excessive. And, so I, I moved, you know, moved across country in a week. I was in Cincinnati the night of August 7th and started work August 8th. I, you know, walked <laughs> to the office, didn't even have keys, didn't have an ID, never went through orientation, got handed like a set of keys to a, an old coach's car they were turning and go hire our uh, football camps, you know, 37 miles that way. We'll see you in a few weeks. Higher ground. Yeah, oh, yeah. buddy. Higher ground is my first UC experience. Oh, my oh. God. All right. <laughs> Did you immediately have regrets at that point? Because higher ground is just kind of so you know you walk out there and you're like, what is this place? <laughs> I think I think Wid was the first person I met. Even better. All right, the legend. Um, yeah, he's the he's the for the people who don't know, he's the John Whitaker is the associate AD for football operations at Cincinnati, and I want to say he's going into like year 34. Yeah, he's been so. doing it his entire <laughs> life there. So yeah, it's it's, an, it's incredible. He is he is one of the legends of the profession, and. You know, a good friend of mine. Um, so yeah, and that was that was you know almost twelve years ago. So I've I've kind of added and subtracted some responsibilities through the years. I came in as an associate SID, and then through attrition and maybe some good work on my part, I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> just kind of ascended into the the role I'm in now. So just that's the path, and it's I don't know. I mean, I never thought I'd be at Cincinnati longer than like three years. Like anything else, you're looking at transient things. All right, I'll go do football there, and then what's the next step? And it's just kind of become home. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy how that happens. You fall into place somewhere, like you said, you never thought that that would be kind of the end all, at least for the time being. And you turn around, and like you said, 10, 12 years later, you're like, oh my gosh, this is, it's hard to believe it's been 12 years, over a decade that I've that I've been working at the same place. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, you drive around campus, or you walk around campus, and, and you see the things you know, kind of around there. And you're like, God, I remember you're like one of those people that, that says, I remember when this was dirt 
and there was a hill here. And now it's like this vibrant mixed use development. You're like, when did that happen? Goodness. Yeah. I mean, even, even the stadium alone, I mean, how much that's changed probably since you got there. I mean, I know they completely redid that, the press box and everything. And then the did a lot. Yeah. Changing the field the way they have. And yeah, I mean, it's been, there's been some crazy construction on that campus and it's obviously only for the better, but it's. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got, we've got a professional soccer team, FC Cincinnati from the MLS, which has been playing in our stadium for, I want to say this is like year three or four. So they're opening a stadium of their own next year down in the West end, a few miles from campus down the hill, uh, kind of closer to downtown and in the urban core, as they like to say. And we will replace, we will finally get our, um, our real turf back, you know, permanent markings and everything else on it. And I want to say it's going to be the eighth or ninth field I've seen on that turf in like 12 years. It's insane. Yeah. Which is wild because for people that don't know, turf can last you if you take care of it up to like 10 years. In, in theory, it should. I mean, we're in a, yeah. we're in a unique spot in Cincinnati because our stadium is, is dead center in the middle of campus. And it is impossible almost to lock down on mm-hmm. non-game days. So if you drove up there right now, it'd be a circus. There'd be people like working out on the field and, you know, using the stairs to run on and running on the concourse and using the brick walls as a, a prop for some CrossFit parker <laughs> kind of a thing, you know. You see it all looking at your ring today. All day. All day long. All day. And then you, you, have to all run, too. you have to run people off the field when we were trying to go down there and scrimmage or practice or whatever it was we had going on. Uh, yeah. And then they get they, angry. Like they're running, they're running down the stairs, like into the back of your bench during practice. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? I'm working <laughs> out. Like, Do you not see we're practicing here? Yeah. Coaches love whenever there's a ton of people around technically watching practice too. So they really do. <laughs> um, so, I mean, through your story, you know, getting into the student work, was there any other path as like away from sports information that you wanted to do? Or is it as soon as you kind of got into it, like, was that like you were, you fell in love immediately? Yeah, I, I kind of, it's like one of those things where you, you click with it, mm-hmm. so to speak. And as we, we all know, like working in athletics in general is kind of a calling. Like oh, this yes. is not something that sane people do. Um, no. We're a little tweaked. We're a little abnormal. Um, you know, we give up nights, weekends, holidays, that sort of stuff. You know, I mean, I think through the years, I think I've had maybe two or three Thanksgivings where we haven't had a game. <laughs> let alone we've even been in Cincinnati. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it's definitely a calling. It's something I, I probably fell into. Um, I, I think that I had, I liked it because I had a little skill for it. You know, I could write, I could design, you could do a lot of things. And then, you know, by the time you get sick of one sport, it's time to change the other. So there's mm-hmm. always like dynamic things going on that were different. And you're working around, you know, really positive people that maybe are still on the upward trajectory trying to, to achieve things. So it's not necessarily um, the professional sports model where, you know, it's more of a business. There's something, something, there's a purity about it in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I I think I'm, I think like a lot of us would say we're, we're blessed to fall into it and and we're blessed to have worked with some of the athletes we've worked with and some of the coaches and, and, you know, been to some of the places we've been. So all good things. Yeah. You really, you really do get to spend some time around some amazing people and in ways that other jobs don't allow. Uh, you Absolutely. Know, and I mean, it just, I was talking with, with Scott you know, uh, earlier about this, but even whenever you and I would do like you, me and Bruner would go on the advanced trips for football games, like just being able to go out a day before the team does 
we got to know each other really well. Um, Absolutely. And just have fun away from football for just one day. Like enjoy spending yeah, time with each other and getting to know this. Yeah, it's not, even, it's not even like we were getting away for that long either. It was like a moment. Um, <laughs> you know, you get like these moments where you're just like out to, you're out having chips and salsa at some dive bar you saw on TV that's right around the corner from your hotel. <laughs> and you know you're moments away from like some form of stupidity like the hotel's calling and saying you know something's going on or wid's calling saying oh my god coach just wants this you know it's <laughs> it definitely <laughs> the stories and then we had that that trip to dallas oh my god I found one of those pi- i found the picture you sit next to the guy at the airport the other day i did <laughs> yeah yeah, for, for backstory, we had a game at SMU right after there was the um, the Ebola scare a few years ago, which is kind of weird now. Thinking about it's laughable now. <laughs> it is, it is. But we're you know we're sitting at the airport and we're not really sure like what we're going into. We know we're we're going to change a couple things. We got to add like some hotel room cleaning and things. Like we brought a, an extra trainer with us that was going to disinfect all the hotel rooms just to be safe. Um, ended up that young gentleman ended up ruining like carpeting and and furniture and in two or three different rooms and we still give them a hard time for that we're supposed to stay in that hotel again this fall so hopefully they don't remember that occurrence so we're in the airport (laughs) he is not he's with uh i I think they're about to do some sport rotations but he is not with football currently (laughs) so um but we're sitting in the airport and you know there we're we're flying to dallas we it was one of the rare direct flights we had that year and we are sitting there and then this, um, you know, we, there's this gentleman in, in like uh, some sort of like African tribal garb and there's literally 50 seats in the gator we're at and he sits right next to Patrick. <laughs> 50 open seats. 50 open area. seats, like empty seats. Like we were the only three people there and he sits right next to Patrick. And Greg and I kind of look at each other and just start laughing hysterically. Well, Patrick loves Patrick when people look on his face. Space. Like he, he does not like when you get in his personal space either. <laughs> well, I mean, it was just uh, there's so many places for you to sit. Like, why did you have to sit right next to me? It did not make sense to me. And so, yeah, Cause yeah. snaps a picture of just me with this bitter look on my face and this dude. I, I can't even explain like the color <laughs> scheme. It was just it was it was, it was awesome. It was it was it was, it was very like intricate and like probably like hand stitched something incredible. Yeah. Why need yeah. to tweet that picture? <laughs> <laughs> that was the, that was the same game where, you know, we're down there and it's probably for the fourth quarter and Tubbs walks over to me, hands me his headset. And he's like, we're done. We're good. Let's go home. Start packing up. And I was like, seriously. And he goes, start packing up. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yes, sir. Let's go. I had another Everybody got 20 minutes trip. to shower. Yeah. Like Gunner and, uh, Jake Golick on the sideline, just like completely chilling late in the game. That was the game uh, President Bush was in the locker room. Yeah, that was such a cool moment. He yeah. came and talked to he's the guys. Like, Welcome. He walks in the locker room and he's got, I don't know if you've, you've seen him like speak and other stuff, and he's got this swagger about him. Oh, yeah. And he just kind of walks in this room of 100 guys and he just goes, Welcome to Texas. <laughs> like everybody has Phenomenal. like deer in the headlights look and they're like, Holy crap, this is, this is a president, like a, you know, a former yeah. U.S. president coming in to talk to us right now. And, it was that was a really cool moment. The best part is we're trying to get the locker room set up and get all these guys squared away, and you got secret service secret service coming through checking every little nook and cranny. And I'm like, "Yep." So, so uh, who's coming to talk to us? And they're like, hey, "I can't tell you that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had, we had heard it was going to be a possibility because um, we had a couple. You know, this is 
well before like social media has become what it is now where you you film everything automatically this is before we would film everything automatically so we got a little bit of a heads up and we're able to have a couple of cameras in the locker room to, to capture some things and it was a cool moment absolutely yeah and i would say you kind of hit on one of my questions there is that i know that your role especially since 2008 even but even before that it's evolved a lot uh sports information has evolved a lot into social media you see social media being tracked by a lot of companies and stuff like that i've been a place where they had things such as influencer and, and other things like that where it's really about promoting athletes brands and it's about uh getting the teams out there and it's more the business side that you do see more in the pros further back than college, but how has that really changed for you? Do you see social media and all this attention on sports, college sports is a good thing or bad or maybe both? I think it can be both. Um, you know, I think the attention is good in a lot of ways because you're able to, to storytell in a new way. You have all these avenues now where, you know, instead of worrying about 1,200 printed words, you can accomplish that with a graphic and 200 characters. So yeah. I think it's beneficial in that way. Um, you can get stuff out a whole lot quicker. I think that the challenge has become is, is some of the, the public facing nature of it. Um, you know, you're going to get people that like to rage about anything. So anytime you send something out, it may not be, it may be for a completely different purpose and somebody may not see it that way and just have some like snippy comment about it. And you just got to kind of deal with that in a lot of ways. Right. So it's, it, it's one of those things where you're never going to please everyone and everyone's going to have like negativity. I want to say, I was looking at it the other day, I think our recruiting group tweeted out um, a graphic of some sort yesterday, just, you know, brand stuff, nothing, nothing too crazy. And I want to say there were 40, 40 to 45 recruits who, who responded with like video links of, <laughs> of like their huddle pages or whatever. Yep. And that's something you wouldn't have seen even three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. The, the things on branding, brand building is, is huge now. And that's that's like the next frontier with with all the rulings recently on NA, name, name, image, and likeness and all that. I was actually just on a call before this about name, image, and likeness and, and some of the impacts which could be. And I think, you know, it's a good thing because the student athletes do a lot for the schools. They should, you know, have access to their images. They should be able to do that. But what's the fine line? Like what's the, what, you know, what are the parameters it's going to be and how is it going to be fair to everybody? And I think that's that's a lot of stuff that that's still got to get worked out, and you know we've got a year or so. So, so are you, you saying so, you have some some breaking news for us on the name, image, and name, image, and likeness <laughs> call? That? No, do, not, do not do not play the chime. No, it's <laughs> it more of an informational thing where you know you're asking some of the same questions of of say a student athlete has a you know say they have an autograph signing somewhere from a, a sponsor that that has decided to invest in them. Can they wear university gear? You know, can they, what, what happens during a team autograph session? If they want to charge for their autograph, can they do that? Just yeah. some of the stuff that, that we're all going to have to think about in the, in the years to come. Well, and the headaches that I don't think everyone will notice from, from our end is I think of how the SIDs that I've known have complained before about like, oh man, this guy texts me after every practice wanting me to send him the pictures we got of him that practice. Like those same guys that are out there are now going to say, you need to tweet more pictures and graphics of me from the football account because I need to get my image yeah. out there. Like I'm not getting and, any endorsements. What you guys if, aren't promoting me. What if you're using their images and, and likeness and things and they want to be compensated for that? Or they say they should be compensated. How does that affect the value of the scholarship? Does it become taxable income? 
Well, that's that's what I think is going to be the dangerous part. And I had a yeah. few conversations with people. It's like, well, the universities aren't going to have a hand in that. It's what they can generate on themselves. And I was like, well, but what becomes taxable income whenever you're, you're tweeting out a, a photograph of somebody? Well, you're using their likeness to promote your s- school. Yeah. Or stadium Absolutely. cups that you sell, the souvenir yeah. cups that are eight bucks or whatever that they've got. Jamal Sanders, whoever running uh running the ball in there and full uniform stuff it's like well there it is i mean yeah we we've got a lot of a lot of questions to still answer and and you know we'll shake that out over time um sure you know i think that obviously some sort of blanket federal legislation would be forthcoming and probably helpful to a lot of people because if you have 50 different states with 50 different rules whew, that's gonna be fun yeah the most athlete-friendly states will be the ones that win all the championships. Yeah, because it, let's be honest. I mean, people, if, if a kid is able to, you know, benefit from this by going to North Dakota because they have 100 different sponsors that are willing to put a kid on an ad or a billboard and for some sort of agreement, I mean, that'll benefit them. You know, yeah. this, this, there's a, it's one of many things that, that probably has been a long time coming. And like anything else, we will – figure it out and figure out a way for the, 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 uh, industry to endure. Yeah. And I mean, this is something that I, you know, had thought about and have talked about before, but where does the line come? Like, where is the line drawn when it comes to uh, agents with players now in terms of their likeness? Well, I mean, I think, you know, as I understand it right now, and that may change in 20 minutes, you never know. Um, you know, there's talk of, you're going to have student athletes that come in with some sort of representation already, like baseball with their advisor deal. Mm-hmm. I think hockey might have something similar. Um, but you know, how does that affect so many things? Just, it's just, there's just a lot of stuff to unravel. And I, I kind of feel for the compliance people a little bit, cause they're probably going to be the ones responsible for taking a hard look at this stuff. I know in our office, we're going to be asking a lot of questions. Yeah. yeah. Compliance is going to, it's going to be a nightmare for those guys. Um, and, Speaking of other departments, and this is something, I mean, I know for road trips, obviously, you heading out early, you know, we got to work alongside each other a lot mm-hmm. between, you know, the communications and athletic communications and equipment room. But who would you say is the department you work alongside most often? It's tough because we, we're the, we're one of those rare departments that kind of touches everybody. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you have contacts in every department or you, you have questions in every department and, and there's like informational information you need you know i need numbers from the equipment guys i need to know who's practicing and who's not from the trainers um so i know who can do interviews that day i need you know i got to talk to the strength coaches to see what time practice starts at or whatever you know or what time the workout is the next day if somebody's coming and i'm trying to work an interview schedule out mm-hmm. and then i got to go to compliance to make sure we can do all this i gotta go to the business office to make sure that the bills are paid and we got uh, money for food for the game that saturday it's a lot of stuff. Like we're we're kind of all over the. Um, my my step count has gone down dramatically. That I'm not you know going up and down the stairs like five times. <laughs> so it's just like I got to look at my Apple Watch and see like my things plummeting. You know, every like my mileage every week just plummets. So you got to close your rings. I know it's. I feel like this thing's yelling at me all the time. I was just I just did a like a lap of my parking lot outside just to. Uh, just to get a few steps and enjoy the sunshine for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think I think our departments are very similar in that. That 
you guys are going to handle all internal and external communication. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on uh, with all departments, equipment. Everyone comes to us for the gear and their orders and things Absolutely. like that. So it's a lot of that. But, I mean, the fun that I always have with uh, sports information directors is calling them when head coaches do, like, a number change on a Friday night. It's like, hey, speaking of, speaking of entering in stats, that just got, that just got a lot harder. I'm sure there's going to be some fun with this number zero rule now. But what, what are some of your good head coach stories you have? I'm sure there's a lot with football and number situations. Oh, my God. He's worked with some great head coaches. Oh, my God. <laughs> don't name it's... any names. Don't, don't, Patrick does not want to edit anything out because it's a pain for him. <laughs> we, we had a head coach that liked to do T-shirts on short notice like a day's <laughs> notice sometimes because he would get ideas on like a thursday and wanted them by saturday um that was always fun for the equipment guys i know um you know i, I think Thank number God wise, wasn't there like, for that guy. <laughs> number wise oh man we we had a kid in a totally different number for the bowl game because he switched positions um so it's like i had to tell the stacker listen this number is this and he will be the only one on defense wearing this number but in the stat program, it's this. Because if you change it, it's going to screw everything up for the whole season. The whole yep. season. So it's just like, I don't know. It's I mean, you're still – uh, that that brings up a whole other issue about stat crew and DOS. And, you Getting know, a good stat crew. That... Run it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, and... I'm blasted with my stats, guys, because they're all former SIDs. There you go. And most of them are uh, – about 80% of them are former Cincinnati SIDs who now work on the other side of campus or, you know, work in the nearby community. So it's uh it's a blessing that way and they get it. Um God, I think you know the, the the random things are is when the number changes happen like after pregame and you're mm-hmm. looking down and you go, Who the heck is number forty-eight? Yeah, it's like wait. And then you're sending a text and not getting an answer. So you're like running down to the field and you know, trying to find someone on the sideline of like 150 people going, Who's the number? Da-da-da. Oh, oh, okay. That's yep. Yeah, he was probably sending me that text and I didn't respond. No, I stopped after that's, that's where I'm better than Patrick. I always make sure to call my SID if, if a jersey rips mid game. I'm like, hey, this kid's wearing this now. And he's like, oh, crap. Like, what do you want me to do? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what are you going to do? I mean, it, it's like it's like basketball with the blood jerseys, you know? It just it is what it is. Yeah. You, you find a way to work through it. And, you know, the thing you learn after doing this long enough is we're all in kind of the same boat from a, like a support staff role. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. you de- develop a level of empathy for your fellow man and woman. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, know everyone's kind of going through the same thing. And it's like, yep, I've been there before. It's like I, you know, when former coaches have left for other institutions and I've talked to their SIDs afterwards and they're like, he really got me on this. I go, oh, yeah, I probably should have warned you about that. That's a definite, you know, big point for him. Yeah. And I think, if anything, they're all they're all quirky in their own ways. They all have things that they, they like and don't like. And, you know, we get the benefit of maybe learning a little more doing the advance work. like in the hotel like all right here are coaches hot button points this is what will enable us to have a good stay this is you know basically here's here's the the thumbnail on our entire group of who's going to say what and who's going to ask for what so you can be ready for it yeah you know like those pre-meetings we had with hotel staff that was always like you had your key points like well this coach likes this we need this meeting room set up like this and please just don't bring any of this around us (laughs) <laughs> and it's still there. It's it's almost like uh, like a band going on tour. Like we've got a rider of of things. You know, some of it. I mean, some of it's weird. Like we had a coach that wanted. You know, we served wings on Friday night, but they had to all be crispy. And then it got to a point where all the wings had to be individually 
packaged in terms of six. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was like, you know, we had ice cream on Friday nights, but then we had to have ice cream pre-scooped. So it went quicker. I mean, it was, oh you know, one coach like, I've heard horror stories about coaches who want rooms at certain temperatures to the point where their ops guys are walking around wearing thermometers. Oh, oh my. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've heard stories of, of ops guys that have gone on, on uh, scouting, scouting visits to places and they've literally recorded entrances in and out of hotels to show their head coaches what it was. Um, yeah. You know, I think you learn things and you, you learn trial by error. You learn, and it's like anything else. It's about the relationships you have with your coaches and your staff. And you learn like what they like, how they communicate, what they don't like. And sometimes you screw it up before you figure that out. So, you you know, I've always told people like, there's about an 80% chance that I'm going to be the first one that gets yelled at after a game. If only because I'm the first person the head coach sees usually. Pretty much. I catch him, I catch him right, you know, I'm walking behind him going out to the post-game handshake. and. We're together walking off the field, and I'm nine times out of ten, I'm waiting for him to look at me or say something so I can, you know, figure Where out where you stand today. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I remember when I was real early in this, you know, business. I asked a head coach the wrong thing at the wrong time, right after a, a game, and we had won. We didn't win great, and I remember walking off the uh, the playing surface. I got mf'd from like <laughs> middle of the area all the way back to the locker room. And if you would have seen us from the, from the, you know, the, the stands of the facility, you would have thought that, you know, we were, we were just having a, a intense conversation, but Nope, I was getting yelled at. And you just got to sit there and take it too, which is the worst part. Cause you like, like <laughs> sorry, coach. I, didn't, I really didn't mean to upset you, man. <laughs> coach went in the locker room, talked to, talk to the team. And, um, you know, we were, uh, on a stroll the post game media and, and I remember looked at me and said, Are you okay? And I go, What do you mean? I'm fine. He goes, Well, I, you know, kind of got into you a little bit there. I was like, I've been called a lot worse by a lot better coach. And then I walked away. <laughs> got him. That, you know, that's our great. relationship was really good after that. We that was like our moment, you know. They like it when you give it back a little You have to. You you know, they have to know that you're gonna you're A in their corner and B you know, you're going to be there for them in good and bad. And you're going to have, there, there's no chance everything's always going to go well. You know, like there's no chance. There's going to be, there's going to be times of peril, be it from on the field stuff, off field stuff, whatever. That's when you've got to have a relationship and be able to sit down and have a conversation. hundred percent. And I think that's part of it that we haven't really touched on with this podcast yet, but it's just how much every department, especially with sports support staffs, but it's always a service-based industry, and, and whether it's the athletes or the coaches, you are providing a service. I mean, little things that that no one, the average fan, maybe even the coaches, would never fully understand that you're you're doing these things at the hotel to try to make sure that their stay is more comfortable, but you don't work for the hotel. I know for me, I always get there on Friday on the, those advanced trips or whatever, and as soon as I'm at the stadium, the first thing I do is I go from the locker room door to the sideline, to the 50-yard line, and I walk it and I time it. And I say, well, we've mm-hmm. got – you know, a two-minute and 30-second walk, blah, 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 because those Friday night, um, you know, planning for the coaching staff on pregame timing and stuff, like they need to know how long that trip is. So yep. little things that it's just you go the extra mile uh, for these coaches and these players, and it, it all happens behind the scenes. And then if any one thing goes wrong, that's when the MFs start, and, and yeah. you just got to grin it, and you're like, it's going to feel good when I yes, get that sir. right next time. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, yes, coach. You know, yes, coach. It's like you're, you're working on the line in the kitchen. It's yes, chef all the time. You know? Correct. 
So it's, 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 it definitely has its challenges and, and there's, you know, a lot of things that can definitely go awry sometimes. But that's where that relationship and that consistency comes into place. And, and they know that, you know, it's not you. You just may happen to be the first person they see. Yeah, you're just going to catch catch the brunt of it. And it's not even like necessarily a, an apology is, is necessary. It's one of those where, like when the coach said to you, he's like, you, you're all right. You know, I kind of got into you. That's his way of being like, my bad. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're the very, there are some that do it. Don't get me wrong, but very rare are you going to hear the I'm sorry. You know? Oh, no. You don't no, hear it because, no. I've never there's been some, got I mean, into. There's definitely some that are, go ahead. I, I was just, I've never been got into by a coach that didn't like me or care about me either, though. They, they do it because they know that there is that relationship. Exactly. And it's as dysfunctional as it could be, it's your family. Yeah. Right. You know, you spend, you spend more time around your staff and your, your players and everything else sometimes than you do your family. You know, you're with them 100 hours a week on road trips, on weekends. You know, you, you laugh together, you mourn together. You know, wins are sweeter, losses hurt less because of who you do it with. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you're not if you're not enjoying all that, then you're probably, you know, not doing the right thing. Not doing the right thing or you're just not cut out for yeah. that that industry because that I mean, that is what I've always held near and dear is like you said, you really do become a family no matter where you work. <clears throat> I mean cause you've bounced around a little bit in terms of jobs. Obviously you've found some good job. Uh, longevity at, at Cincinnati but like we've all been place to place yeah. to place and like when we went down and played Houston there were people that you knew down there still working there and we got to meet them and, and talk to them and it's just like y'all picked up right where you left off like right when you left you know what I mean that you could go a long time without talking to them but it truly is like a, a very close-knit community across all of college athletics it is and I mean there's there's a you know it's funny I got a I have a group chat from some guys I work with at Houston you know, ticket office guys, equipment guy, and myself. And somehow, in a weird way, we all became close. And we still talk. You know, to the point where, like, two of them ended up in Cincinnati last year. And, you know, they texted me and said, hey, we're going to the Reds game tomorrow. And I was like, you guys are in town? <laughs> I don't <care." laughs> so I happened to be going to the game anyways because uh, one of our coaches was throwing out the first pitch. So, you know, we ended up, like, hanging out and spending the afternoon together. It was cool. And it was it was literally five minutes after we were sitting together, the old gags start coming out again. Exactly, and that's that's what it is. That's that's just those like almost like instant relationships where you may not see someone a lot, but you know, five minutes later, everything's back. You know, and it's awesome. Yeah. It's that way with with. I mean, it was that way with Patrick and I after after he left to go to Cincinnati. It was you know you don't see each other for a while, but I think that's the cool thing about SIDs and equipment is there's the, your national convention every year in the summer. And yep. it's once you get there, it's just seeing a bunch of, of brothers that, that you may only see once a year. You may have never even worked with them, but you build those professional relationships, but they're, they go through the same thing you do. So it's, it's really cool to kind of have that camaraderie. Yeah. I mean, it's what makes the job great is the people, Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and there's going to be people that obviously you don't get along with there. You know, it happens, but there's going to be, you know, a lot of people that you're close with for your rest of your career, they're going to be people that you count on when you need something. But when you need a question answer, you got somebody that's a go-to say, Hey, how would you deal with this? Exactly. You know, it's, it's like a, it's like a giant built-in support staff in some ways. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing to see how you can come together. I mean, and this is something that we, you know, we've talked about on other episodes of the podcast, but even with the, 
you know, the your school's most heated rival. Like those people that work on the, you know, support staff side of those schools, mm-hmm. we still have great relationships with. We still I'm talk sure. to. And like you said, if there's a problem that comes up and you know, if Cincinnati is playing Xavier in basketball, that you know, the crosstown shootout, like that's that's a big rivalry. But mm-hmm. there's probably still a great relationship between sports information and equipment and those guys. And if there's a problem, they're going to work together to try and troubleshoot it so that yeah. the game can happen, so the fans can see this, you know, amazing rivalry take place. Yeah, and we've all been in the same boat with you know stuff that doesn't go right. More <laughs> often than not, it doesn't, and you've got to you know, figure out a way to duct tape this together and fix that plug and, you know, somehow get the power working or whatever. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it's going to be, people are going to help you because they've been in the same boat and they know what it's like. And you you get to down to plan G, you know, D, J. Yeah, why not? I mean, make it all the way to Z at one point, you know? Plan A and B go out the window real quick because, like you said, nothing ever goes perfect. It's like that that old Mike Tyson quote, you know, it's like everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Everyone's got a plan until game day. Everyone's got a plan until Corona. The window. Yeah, I mean, there's... we've we've played we've played bowl games the last two years, and bowl games are supposed to be this awesome celebration and these awesome games and whatever. And we've played the last two bowl games in pouring rainstorms. Which definitely takes a little bit of the fun out of it. Miserable. Yeah. Absolutely miserable. There is. I mean, you'd rather almost play in snow than you would in rain. 100%. I would every time. Yeah. There's at least snow you can melt off, you know, turn the heaters on, whatever, get another coat. Rain's just like, ugh, God. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, going back to that Houston trip, remember we played at the Houston, the soccer Di- stadium, yeah, Houston Dynamo yeah. Stadium? And it was like, there was like standing water on the field because it's not playing like a, a football field is, and it just sat there. They had squeegees yep. out on the field. And they were, I mean, we were playing in a, it was a mud pit. It was, it was one of the worst. <laughs> It was. Well, oh, that was, that was. I know a lot of us ruined our shoes that day, and some of us fell on the stairs. Um, <laughs> yeah. No names. Wasn't me. No, no names. We will protect the innocent in that. Yeah. But I, I do, so this goes back to one of those things where you you have to break things sometimes to figure out they don't work. <laughs> and for a long time, like our coaches wore golf shoes on the sideline with soft spikes for a, a traction and a waterproofing, and then nobody kind of thought about what would happen with. You know, what happens if the steps are slippery? You know, because there was no real elevator that went up there. So we had a guy that was coming down the stairs and kind of went, you know, head over heels and hit, him, hit his head a little bit. Tumbled pretty hard, actually. Yeah. Tumbled pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. Ended up with a couple stitches. Yeah. So that was one of those things. Where like, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe we, we should get tennis shoes. Golf. Maybe we should figure some tennis shoes out. Yeah. Maybe just, just for certain situations, we should have some backup yeah. shoes yeah. ready. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe the people yeah. that go to the press box and have to navigate stairs that don't need spikes on their shoes maybe they can wear the tennis yeah well it's like you, you know you watch some soccer games sometimes and you see that you know the coaches are out there wearing like spikes you're like god that's strange yeah oh i mean there's always that one football coach that, on a lot of teams that likes to wear spikes out at practice because he wants to be real hands-on with the players so yeah gotta, gotta it's that always guy. the one in their late 20s early 30s <laughs> could still do it man i still got it still got it coach Still got um, a couple fire breathers, you know. You got to have those guys. <laughs> exactly. But to to not necessarily change lanes here, but this is uh this is a question that I'm going to ask everybody that comes on uh on the podcast. The name of this podcast is Other Duties as a Sign, and it holds a lot of meaning for people in in college athletics, and I think athletics as a whole. Uh, Absolutely. But, yeah. Do you think you could give us uh, an example for where you had a situation that really involved entailed other duties as a sign? 
I mean, in the SID world, it might happen like, day. <laughs> you know, like you, you, you think you're working on one thing and then you get a phone call and all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know how to do that. It's like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> so recently we've been trying to figure out um, how to do some online events. So I've ended up kind of being tasked with some of this with some, with one of our IT guys and, and some other folks in the department and we work really well together. So we've been figuring out, but it, it was a lot of like, like late nights, like literally, like I said, you got to break things before you figure out how they can work. <laughs> so just like a lot of trial and error and like, all right, we'll Google this and see if this works. And then, you know, Hey, we need to get the IT guys on a call. Can we, can you help us out with that? You know, just, just a lot of trial and error. And it's like, you know, we probably like some of the places you guys have worked. We, we don't have the biggest staff in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so you learn to get good at things you're not good at. Um, and you learn skills you never thought you had. So <laughs> I've got a philosophy that, you know, I, I'll, I will help out whatever way I can. If I can help the enterprise out, I'll do it. Um, you know, I'm not above transcribing quotes for my guys or doing stats or running copies or handing out credentials, you know, refilling a cooler, you know, it's, it is what it is. You do what you do to help. Got to step in wherever you're needed at that point. I mean, we're all trying to get the same you- job done. So we are. We we all have this thing. We want to. We want our teams to win. We want our students, that athletes, to graduate. We want them to go out and change the world. You know, nobody's exactly. bigger than the program. Exactly, and and we're there for the student athletes. Like they're the reasons why we have jobs in college athletics. So let's make sure that they have the best experience they can, and they go on to do great things. Hopefully, they do great things. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. You know, like those, you know, late night phone calls or early morning phone calls. Nothing ever good. Nothing good ever happens after midnight, right? Yeah, I mean, whenever it's a late night, like late night, early morning, if you will, and your phone's ringing, yeah. you're immediately oh saying God. to yourself, like, what happened? What Did what you happened? see what's on Twitter? It's never a you're good. Looking, you're looking at your phone and you're like, I, I've, I've done this before where I'll answer the phone and I'll just say, what's wrong? <laughs> you know. What happened? Yeah, I was like, what's wrong? You know, you get a 3 a.m. phone call. You're like, this ain't good. No. Saying good, and your your heart starts to beat real fast. Like, oh god, just it gets you. And then, well, Scott, you said what's on Twitter. So, cause this is <laughs> this will be my last question, but this is going to be yeah. one of my favorite questions. <laughs> what is the dumbest tweet you've had to call a player and be like, "Come on, dude, you got to take that down." We had a player. Well, the injury stuff always gets like, people that, and and I've noticed this a lot more, like in Instagram stories and stuff. People will like film themselves in their hospital bed and say surgery went fine. It's like nobody was supposed to know you were having surgery. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, like that doesn't help. But it's like it's information about injuries is something that's always closely held. But even more so today, with you know, you don't want to give your opponents an advantage. You don't want to give you know gamblers anything because they're looking for anything as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I would say overall, the dumbest tweet I think I've ever seen. It could be my favorite tweet too. We had a playing at BYU, and we had a player who got knocked out of the game. And on the plane, I happen to be scrolling through Twitter, and I see we're we're like still taxiing, or we're not, we're loading. And I see this tweet, and it says, "I can't believe I got knocked out of a game by a 25 year old virgin who's never drinking Mountain Dew." <laughs> yes, I mean you, it was phenomenal. You, you can't stop laughing at that, but then you got to go to the guy and be like, "Come on, man." Like, I, I, went to the, I think I went to the player, and I, I don't know if you ever deleted it or not, but I asked him to. And I said, hey, I got a screen cap of this, so I'm keeping this, and I will use this in future presentations, but can you please delete it for now? So oh, it's on amazing. your wall in the office. Got it. Yeah, we, we actually do have a wall. of. We did have a wall at some point. We did. No, uh, in the video office, the full video office, Adam Niemeyer, our phenomenal 
two-time AAC video coordinator of the year has a wall of entertaining tweets such. That's awesome. Oh, that's a, that's I'm awesome. impressed with his knowledge of Mormon religion. <laughs> I was as well. Um, that's a that's a unique trip, by the way. Um, yeah. you know, say like, hey, you can't take your drink any further than this. You know, you're up in the press box and none of the drinks have caffeine. And we live with that. And- yeah, now we know where the fresco went. All of it. All of it. <laughs> but that was, I mean, I, I will say, like, flying into Provo, um, that was definitely one of the most beautiful, like, landings ever. Mm-hmm. Mounds and everything else, flying into, like, this whole thing. Drop down, like, into a valley in the mountains. Is, uh, I mean, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's all I got. Um, I think we hit pretty much all these questions. I didn't know if we would or not, but we really dove through those. That was, that was a lot of fun. I, I love talking to people in other departments and just hearing about what their headaches are and how similar they are. But with, it's honestly like t- talking to someone else who's only been eating this flavor of ice cream. It's a different <laughs> flavor, but it's still ice cream. <laughs> I think we all have the same problems, um, yeah. just to different degrees in some ways. Um, I mean, we're all dealing with the same issue. We all would like more money in our budgets. We would all like to be paid more. We would all like more time off and less stress. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. You know, it's like, like I tell people when I'm, you know, talk to classes about stuff and, and, you know, you tell people, hey, listen, this is the probably the most wonderful job you could be in. You get to work around awesome people and, you know, you work around coaches who will go on, will, you know, be friends for life and staff members and, and coworkers would be friends for life. But there's a lot of sacrifice involved too. Sports happens yeah. at night and on the weekend. You know, yep. it's like, there's a lot. I mean, it's, it's like we, yeah, we got a trip to Hawaii for the Hawaii bowl in 2015, but it was during Christmas week when most people would have been off and we spent, you know, 11 hours on a plane on Christmas Eve. Not that that mattered to me, but um, to others for sure. It's hard. You know, I, I got to experience the Hawaii bowl when I was actually out at, at, university of nevada and when you're there it's it's nice because you you're spending five days in honolulu hawaii like yeah yeah, i mean it's it's a gorgeous place but the logistics of everything and just like you said you're you're flying back on christmas eve and for a lot of these these student athletes and even the the student help and the the student workers you want to be able to get them home with their family that we know we we are fully aware of the sacrifices that we have to make to be part of this program and and to to help these student athletes do what they do uh, but for the for the younger group of kids that are with us i would say kids cuz i mean they're just basically barely adults at that point but <laughs> some of them I mean, don't know what shirt size they are when they get to campus they look at their mom and ask they're still uh, kids yeah they're let's be honest but it <laughs> You want to be able to give them the best opportunities in life, and to be able to go home and spend time with family around the holidays is always an important thing. So, yep. um, I mean, I don't know how the the Hawaii Bowl experience was for you guys. I know I don't think Cincinnati actually won that game, which is unfortunate. But um, the being there is fine. That stadium's terrible. The locker rooms are awful. Um, but all in all, I mean, we I had a lot of fun when I was out there just because I got to spend five days in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. It was a great trip. Um, it was my second trip. We went there for a, a one-off road game my first year. Mm. Um, yeah, we. it was great because we had nothing. We had literally had no nothing to play for. We had clinched a spot in the BCS already. So we knew we were playing somebody because we had won the, the Big East title um, mm. during the regular season. So we're out in Hawaii, and it's just like, whatever. 
um, you know, I, I remember that first trip. I remember like I was on conference calls with BCS stuff at like three o'clock in the morning because it was happening at like nine o'clock Eastern time. Yeah, the time I'm difference. Like, what is I'm like, I'm sitting on my porch in my hotel room in Honolulu. <laughs> oh. What time is it there? It's 3 a.m. Oh, we'll get you off pretty quick here. Thanks. <laughs> it's like, you know, you fly back, you spend 11 hours on a plane flying back to Cincinnati and you've got, uh, you know, like the Fox, Fox crew coming in to set up for the BCS announcement like that night. It's like, oh, goodbye, sleep. I'll see you next week. Yeah, I mean, you're um, losing an entire day on the on the flight back. Absolutely. But it was, I mean, it was a great trip. The people out there are phenomenal, like the people with the bowl. Um, you know, we, and we stayed at the Surfrider right on the beach. So it's like you're, you're eating breakfast outside and you could sit on the sand if you wanted to. How does it get better? There's worse places to spend your holidays. I went to the Dollar General Bowl, so there's worse places. Mobile, Alabama. I mean, stadiums are stadiums. That, you know, they are what they are. The the playing surface is fine. The locker rooms aren't ideal, but, you know, we've all been in some places where the locker rooms are the size of a a broom closet, you know. Um, I I remember, like, vaguely that elevator, the cargo elevator in the end zone that takes you upstairs. Mm -hmm. And it's like, (laughs) there's, like, wooden doors and, like, metal planks, and you're like, is this thing going to be okay? You're but a little you bit scared of it. Yeah, but then you get on the press box level, and as you come out of the area and you walk around, you're looking at Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And the sun's going down over the USS Arizona, and you're just like, wow. Okay. I got to take a picture of this because I don't know when I'm going to see it again. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, I'm literally staring at a piece of history right now. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty, I mean, yeah, like, like we talked about. Yeah, the, the stadium the, the might trips. not be the best, but it's the trip is. Yeah, and, and it's like little things like that. Like you know, we go to Dallas, and hey, what are you doing? Let's drive downtown. Let's go to Dealey Plaza, and let's mm-hmm. see where Kennedy's thing went down. Yep. Yeah, you know, man. just you know, you're, we were in Birmingham for the Birmingham Bowl this year, and and the guys went to the Civil Rights Museum, and for a lot of them, that's an eye opening experience. I think for a lot of the staff that went, it was too. Like you see things, and you see some of the best and worst of our history in yeah. full display right in front of you. And I think when when you can provide those experiences for your support staff or your coaches and your staff, that's definitely something. And those are the things that they're going to remember. Yeah, and it's not something they might not might ever get to experience outside of being part of college athletics again. So exactly. it is a very very cool thing to do. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're providing a lot a lot of you know. In, in the end, we're educating in a lot of ways. Like you're you're teaching life lessons about keeping your locker clean and picking up after yourself. And making sure you turn in your stuff when you're supposed to, and you know you call when you're supposed when you have an interview and you call, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, and and doing things the the right way. I mean, for for you, it's. I mean, you would come down and what you would we would have to give like polos and everything for the for the player interviews. You want them to go into a, an interview looking the part, looking the right way. I mean, it was funny. It was during you know before the draft. I saw there was. Scott Van Pelt on uh, Sports Center had uh, I can't remember the guy's name to save my life, and it's probably better that I don't call him out. But uh, he got on this interview, and he was doing this video interview with Scott Van Pelt on Sports Center without a shirt on. And I'm just like, did your agent seriously not tell you to just yeah. really put a shirt on? Like, because your SID would have told you to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That, that's always like a challenge for us at training camp at Higher Ground. I mean, we've got a rule that. You know, I've always kind of had a rule after it happening a number of times where somebody go put a shirt on for 
the 30 seconds I need you. If you got to go hop in the shower, come back out. We're not going anywhere. Well, wait, but like get yourself clean and throw a shirt on. It's not, it's not a difficult thing or just keep your shoulder pads on with your Jersey on over it because that'll work just fine for us too. We've all been standing out here too. We haven't been hitting people. We thought about it though, Um, (laughs) but it's about presenting your best self always. And that's a, that's a, that's a good lesson. You hope people think, you know, we went to, for media day now, we, they've got players in shirts and ties or coats and ties. And nice. is it a pain? Absolutely. Do they look good? They do. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm assuming that's something from your new coach. And I mean, you guys, in my opinion, you have one of the better coaches in college football right now. That guy's he's really set, making a name for himself as a, as a head Absolutely. coach. He's done a phenomenal job as a head coach, as a recruiter and, you know, changing the trajectory of the program, no doubt. Um, and, you know, it's caused all of us to think a little differently. Mm-hmm. in our approaches too which i think is good if you can if you can grow and get better and maybe get your way of thinking changed a lot it's always a good thing you know it's like that whole get comfortable being uncomfortable thing you know exactly yeah yeah, yeah. but i think it goes back to we all want to win we all want to you know achieve great things and sometimes a new voice isn't a bad thing for that and coach fickle's done a phenomenal job and you've seen the results on the field with back-to-back 11 win seasons you know, the, the first year was a little rough, four and eight, and we could have been, you know, one and 11. We were, could have gone probably <laughs> six plays either way from, from not winning many games at all. Yeah. And that's just sometimes that has to happen to get better. Yep. There's going to be growing pains anytime you, you're bringing in a new coach with a new system, new philosophy. He has to Absolutely. instill that philosophy into these, the, the minds of these young men. And you can tell, I mean, it, the good thing is it took him one year. I mean, really, yeah. truly one year to turn a, a program into the right direction, which is, it, you don't see that often to, to see such was, a drastic it, the shift. The first year was tough too, because we all, we all see better than you hear, yeah. you know, so you can say some things in a lot of ways. And, you know, it was, I remember the first trip of, of last of uh, 18 going out to the Rose Bowl at US, UCLA, um, you know, just seeing the, the feeling in that locker room after getting that win, kind of getting over to the hump, so to speak, and seeing they could do it. I mean, that was one of the coolest locker rooms I've ever been in. Yeah, they they, they finally had had bought in, and they're like, you know what? Like, we can we can do this. We can make a run. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, only a couple a couple missteps along the way that year. Not not necessarily missteps. Sometimes you just get outplayed. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just not your day. It happens. Yeah. Sometimes the ball does not bounce your way, and you know you. You, you do your best to make your own luck. Um, but sometimes it's just the gods don't permit it, you know? Yeah, I mean, the football gods are fickle sometimes. No pun intended. <laughs> ah, oh, I'm sorry. Wow. That was such a bad joke. We like, just lost half waiting, of our listeners. Not at all. Oh, man, that's so bad. I guess I got to end on that because I can't. There's no, <laughs> there's no, there's no redemption. There's no, no redemption. My God, Cause, thank you so much for joining us, man. It was a pleasure talking to you and in getting to to hear your story and and give our listeners a better viewpoint of what happens in the athletic department away from the equipment room because we want this this podcast to really cover everything. We don't want it to just be a truly equipment podcast. I mean, the the world of especially college athletics, there are so many people that have their hands in in shaping and molding the minds of these these young men and women and you know everybody has a huge part in it and especially you know somebody like you i mean with with sports information you guys do so much that really doesn't get seen i know we had talked about this before we started recording that it is 
basically pulling you out of your comfort zone to get you kind of on the microphone as opposed to being the one behind the mic and behind the camera. So thank you so much for joining us. It, it really means a lot to us. No problem, my friends, and I uh, wish you guys well with this venture. I think it's a good thing, and I, I hope it continues to grow. And happy to help if I can. Thanks for all the help, guys. Thanks, and man. Guys, if you need a, if you have any questions for Cause, we can maybe reach out to him again. Uh, you know our our email is odapodcast at gmail.com. And again, Cause, thanks so much for joining us. All right, boys, have a good day.